When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zero season two episode six starts now. I'm your host Brandon Davis, joined today by Jenna Anderson. Hey everybody, Charlie Ridgely. What up, Aaron Perrine. What's going on? Oh, what's going on? Is we got a chonky boy today? We got a chonky episode. Happy Wednesday. Good luck getting through this one. It's a big one. Uh, we're going to talk about all those Super Bowl trailers, all two of them. Doctor Strange, Moon Knight. We got some other news to share. And then we have Uncharted director Ruben Fleischer, half hour with us, second half of the show. So sit through a commercial, help us pay the bills, and then get all the candid (laughs) insights, what it's like to make Uncharted, what it's like to smell Tom Holland, what it's like to make Venom and read the reviews and have to react to them and digest them and be the person who made that movie. It's a very interesting interview. Ruben Fleischer is a hell of a guy. I am a fan of Ruben Fleischer and his movies. I quite enjoyed Uncharted. I think the Rotten Tomatoes reviews are in no way surprising because that was a movie I think people could be tough on uh, and wanted to be tough on, and it's certainly not the video games. That said, I had fun watching it. I liked it quite a bit, and if I wrote a review, it would have been positive, but I didn't. Tanner Deadman did for comicbook.com, and he was positive anyway. Uh, I liked Uncharted. Anyway, enough about Uncharted for now. We have a lot to discuss, and we're just going to jump right in. Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness dropped a trailer at the Super Bowl, and everybody was like, where's Phase Zero? Here we are. Here we are. I know. I know. We didn't go live Sunday. It was Sunday. People were, we were drinking, we were watching the Super Bowl. Okay, listen. But here we are. Uh, The trailer dropped. I thought it was a brilliant trailer. We're going to go around the horn here first. Quick reactions. Everybody in the comment section, please do the same. Jenna, what did you think of the trailer? Oh my God. It it exceeded my expectations. Like I, at this point, there were so many different ways they could have put the second trailer out in terms of just focusing on certain characters. Like I feel like general audiences still don't know who America Chavez is yet, but they are going to. But it's like between introducing the characters and dealing with the cameos and the multiverse of it all, they struck a really good balance in a way I wasn't prepared for. Also just having the trailer come out like right before kickoff, I like disassociated for the first quarter of the game because I was just like this trailer is already like my expectations are so high i'm not even paying attention to the football game or to any of the other commercials anymore because there was so much in this trailer yep can i say i i I was in denver and um i thought the game started at 5 30 denver time and eleanor and i were in a taco bell drive-thru and i google searched at 4 10 p.m denver time what time is kickoff for the super bowl and it said 4 30 and i was like oh no we're gonna be late (laughs) And then as soon as we got our food, I got the notification at Marvel posted a, a video and it was the Doctor Strange trailer thumbnail. And I was like, no, I am going to miss the discourse. So I parked the car and did it from the parking lot. Charlie, what do you think of the trailer? Um, I think it was really unfortunate on Marvel's part that they ran the Moon Knight trailer after this one. Um, because this was, I mean, no, no disrespect to the Moon Knight TV spot, but Doctor Strange had so much to unpack. It was kind of unfortunate that I was... I work on Sunday, so I was working on, you know, like Super Bowl commercials and all kinds of other stuff. And I didn't go till later that night and really dissect and really dig into it. But I've watched it probably three or four times on repeat back to back once my shift was over. Because it was one of the crazier trailers that I can remember from Marvel. I mean, there's, you know, 
we kind of know the formula of a Marvel trailer, like what it can look like. There are always always some surprises, but this was just chaos and insanity from start to finish. I was yeah. I was really 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 blown away by by what we saw. I know you made a joke when we hopped on here that you were excited to hear me hate on it, but <laughs> I, I I don't have that I don't have that energy today. I'm I am wow I am all in on Doctor. I mean, it's a Sam Raimi movie, so I was always going to be on all in on it anyway. But you know, wow this this just really Charlie affirmed that a, a rare good crazy. take from Charlie. Uh, Aaron, what did you think of the trailer? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I watched it so many times that I think I almost missed Odell Beckham Jr. score the first touchdown of the Super Bowl. <laughs> Shocking! I, actually, I did because I, 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 oh no, I did because I had bets on who would score the first touchdown, and I didn't have OBJ. But I actually forgot that he even scored because I was watching the trailer. Uh, yeah, Cooper Cup, you let me down, buddy. <laughs> he had all the other touchdowns. He had all the yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, except the first one, which would have won me like $100, but instead I lost my money. But whatever. <laughs> but I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm excited today. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm just, I'm just loud today. I'm so sorry. I cut right. you off. We're we're, make, we're making up for lost time because there were people in your mentions. I'm sure everybody else had people like, where are you guys? Where are? And it's like, uh, we will get to it on Wednesday. We need to watch it 96 more times and zoom in on all the things. I think that's the weirdest part about this is that much in the vein of some of the other trailers, like trying to figure out what's going to be in this movie and what's there as a misdirect is mm -hmm. a fool's errand. I do not know. I'm just going to try and accept all of it on its face value because there's so much stuff going on that I'm like, if this is the stuff that they're letting go, what else is hiding in this movie? Like that, that you just right. see in the fin of the shark right now. Like what is, what is, what's in that water? I'm is it even a shark? Ah, is it even a shark? <laughs> Jenna, I need you to get up on a buoy and figure it out for us, okay? Um, I like how it's, it's like it's I, could, I wouldn't be surprised. There's always those shots that are like not in the movies, mm -hmm. like the you know uh, Iron Man and Spider Man. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if half this trailer just doesn't appear in the movie like it appears in the trailer. Like it's all alternate takes from stuff mm -hmm. that's actually in the movie. I know. Adam Barnhart wrote a piece for us last night where he was like, what if the entire trailer is just Adam. a misdirect? Like, what if nothing in this trailer is actually in the movie? Which I would hate that. I feel like that's next to impossible, especially with something as big as this. But, like, stranger things have happened. I will never forget watching the in-game trailer, being extremely excited, and then getting in the movie and being like, holy crap, the trailer was the first 15 minutes. There's still three hours of this movie. What the heck is about to happen? Because it was, like... Oh man, all this stuff's gonna go down. It's gonna be so exciting. And it's literally just like, here's 15 minutes. Now go ahead with the rest of it. So I, I think I that know. could be a realistic possibility. Yeah. For this, Aaron. Internet would freak out. They, everyone would lose their minds. Like all of us would lose our minds if it was the like first. Like he goes to see minutes. the Illuminati 10 minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> first 15 minutes is here. It's literally just Loki again. It's Doctor Strange goes into the sanctum. He's like, oh, it's gotten out of hand. Then he gets thrown in jail and boom. And then cut, smash, cut. Doctor Strange and Bill at this big old Sam Raimi. A Sam <laughs> Raimi joint. Full screen. 15 minutes in. There, there, yeah. Oh, man. Eight, eight, like 70 something more days until <laughs> Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I thought the trailer was brilliant. I think what Charlie said encapsulated what I think. It was just action packed and chaotic from start to finish. It was emotional in that Wanda on Wanda crime moment. Like I I just I'm not ready to see Wanda meet herself and have a self-reflection like that from characters who have been through 
similar but probably different tragedies because they are variants. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be something. And and Wanda, as Julia Delbell said in the comment section just now, Wanda made points. Yes, she did. Uh, I, the cast looks great. It looks like this is like Doctor Strange's Civil War. Like yes, it's his movie, but this is packed with arcs for other characters, and that's gonna really. Uh, I love when that happens. I love how every character in Civil War kind of had their own arc and pairing to that and layers to the arcs. And it looks like Strange is going to have Strange, Wanda, Miss America, Wong, literally everyone else. Uh, and I'm interested to see how much they all matter. But uh, the big question coming out of the trailer, uh, this is this is insane that this is even a question. <laughs> But was it Tom Cruise? <laughs> uh, <laughs> after the trailer dropped, a couple images went by where there's an obvious shot where there is a Captain Marvel fighting Wanda. It is very clearly a Captain Marvel fighting Wanda. And I believe it is Maria Rambeau, Lashana Lynch, back as Maria Rambeau. Probably a variant. I think that Maria is really dead dead in the main MCU, whatever their 616 number is. Um, I think that she died during the blip. Uh, as Monica learned. But I think that in another universe, Maria might have been the one to become Captain Marvel, and that's what we're going to see. So there's a similar shot where people are zooming in and saying they see a goatee, they see the silver suit. They're saying it's Tom Cruise's superior Iron Man because some rumors started going online that Tom Cruise was playing Iron Man as a Tony Stark variant because they're playing with almost castings in this movie, and that was one of them. I'm going to say, listen, I see it. But I don't like. I see where it's coming from. I see how you could zoom in on that, and you can like get the outline of a goatee as much as you can get the Deadpool outline on the poster, which is not very much. But if you want to see it, you can see what you want to see. <laughs> that said, I don't think I don't think that we saw Tom Cruise as the superior Iron Man. But that said, I did go buy Superior Iron Man number one online just in case. So. I, Tom Cruise is not in this movie. I'm just like it's yeah, <laughs> Stop it. I was not at the in this train of thought at all. Like I've I've heard the Tom Cruise rumors. I'm aware of them, but like I thought that was just the Captain Marvel the entire time. And then BD, you posted your tweet and like it started making me like question everything I've ever thought in all of reality because I was like, maybe it is. So like it's funny now that you think it's not Tom Cruise, because I'm now like, maybe it is. Who knows at this I, point? I have no idea. I I yeah. Like, it, like, the, like the Ultron bots are back. Like if you read yeah. like the, like he could, like it would make sense for a superior Iron Man to be in the movie. I don't think that we saw Tom Cruise in this trailer though. I'll be honest with you. And if, I mean, if, he was never uh, even cast. Like it was, that was their, their leading choice. It wasn't even like Tony, you know, Tobey Maguire coming back. He could be just, in the movie. He could be in the movie, but I don't think. I mean, look, this is one of those where you watch this trailer and, it, and the theories get difficult when you really think like, Truly anything could happen in this specific movie. Like this is the one where yeah, we could literally see anything. So you can't rule it out. It just seems like a thing that wouldn't happen. Aaron has but, some uh, thoughts. You know. I, 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 I want everybody to be happy. So I would, <laughs> but I also do not like how they did Maria at all. I did mm -hmm. not enjoy that. I would like to see it. Lashia Lynch is awesome. Like, yeah, they gave her time a goatee. It sucks. She's one of the best characters in the dang movie. Like, her and Editor Boss like steal the show in that movie. I want her to have some sort of resolution, and her being photon would be dope. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I would also like to see Superior Iron Man because that's one of the nuttier things that happened. Like, like it's a win-win then. It's a win-win. 
just completely un unlike leashing Tom Cruise to be like as arch as possible as a Tony Stark that never learned any of the lessons that ours did sounds hysterical. But also you you can't have that much uh, Tony Stark running around in the MCU and then he probably wouldn't survive the movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I want both of them. I, I want both of it to happen. All, all, it, why not? Why do we have to stop with one, one or the other? It looks like we're getting all sorts of crazy stuff in this movie. Like, we just spent what three minutes on like it was literally six seconds. Shout out to I think whoever whoever said like Tom Cruise at two twenty six. Because yeah, two twenty six. That's Tom that's this whole this trailer is, is everything at two twenty six. Because this people is are the just image in question. You have this is one shot, and then in the same trailer you have this shot, and that is Maria Rambo, like yeah. unquestionably. I feel like, and then you, I, I don't know if this is the, literally the same shot. I, I haven't studied the trailer that much, but I do think like this is still Maria Rambeau. And if it's not, then they're just misleading us by putting the exact same kind of a visual effect of the mm. powers onto it. Yeah. But like, I could see how people think they look different for sure. But I do think it's just a, a, a trick on the eyes. Is the dress blue? Is the dress white? Whatever. <laughs> what what if she has a mohawk just like Carol? Yeah. And it just what if Maria and I forward then, it back? But sure, but then suck. it doesn't. I'll give. I, I hear you on that. But in this photo, like, there's no mohawk. You know what I mean? And I then guess. in this one, like, I, there seems we, to be some man, hair. They they engineered this. This is Feige. <laughs> they're being devious. No, look at us. You man. know that Feige we're going through is, film right mm -hmm. now. This is dumb. Feige is sitting there saying, "I gave you Patrick Stewart, and you're asking me for Tom Cruise." <laughs> yep. That's what Feige is saying. Yeah. Is, is it, it never enough? enough? Is it not enough, Brandon? You and know it's that, never. You know the answer to that question. Enough. It's always, yeah, it's never it enough. enough. If it was enough, Marvel would stop making money. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, well, that's a great transition. Let's talk about Patrick Stewart. I want the comment section to weigh in. Do you think that's just Maria Rambeau? Is everybody who is hopping on this superior Iron Man train crazy? Or do they have something to stand on? You think it's like a maybe? Like, are you are you? It can also be superior that? Iron Man that's not Tom Cruise. Let's just no, make sure that I don't clear. want it any other way. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Tom Cruise is Mephisto confirmed. Well, yeah, kind of. Uh, Patrick Stewart is back, seemingly, but yes, he said, "Should we tell him the truth?" Uh, yes, you should tell us the truth. You're in the movie, and then we saw his little ear. That's definitely Professor X, seemingly like a key player in the Illuminati. Uh, I don't think, like, if this, 99.9% .9 sure, I, if I bet on this, I will win, unlike the Super Bowl, that that is Patrick Stewart as Professor X. I don't think that that's going to be the same Professor X. I think that's going to be another variant that's just nothing more than a nod. I hope it's not, I, I think it's going to be an inevitably much better payoff than Evan Peters as Ralph Boner, one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, but I Team Ralph. do. No. Charlie, no. Charlie. No. Are, do you like the Ralph Boner bit? I, I like that it was a, that it played with expectations. I like the idea of taking expectations and messing with them. I, I do appreciate Nick. Nick, can you go ahead and it. turn off Charlie's camera just for one minute? <laughs> Give him one minute and time out. Oh, just Nick. we'll bring him back. Just <laughs> let him think about what he's done. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> What? I like the concept. I, I like not just giving people what they what they want and trying to convert or subvert expectations. That doesn't always go well. But I, I like I like the concept behind trying to flip things on their head. No. <laughs> Nick. Charlie's in jail again. All right, we're back to Patrick Stewart. 
Uh, it's clearly Patrick Stewart and the Illuminati, which I guess the real conversation to have here is that this seems to be a secret, like a story that starts the secret wars of it all. Because like the Illuminati in this movie could lose and universes could start to collide on themselves leading to secret wars. Any thoughts, anybody? Jenna, what do you think? No, I completely agree. I think whatever this incarnation of the Illuminati is, is not long for this world in, in one way or another. I think like we this might eventually lead to us getting an Illuminati in like the main universe, but this for now just seems to be kind of playing with people's expectations. I'm excited just to see them in the comics in, in general, and it seems like they're having a lot of fun with who could even be in this roster. I know people are like, is what you do, Mr. Fantastic? Like anything feels possible in terms of the other people who are vaguely outlined in those chairs in the one shot of the trailer. So I, I like that we're getting them, but I I would be surprised if any of them survive this movie, honestly. Who who do we think are the Illuminati in this movie? Anybody got a, a lineup that they want to share? Namor a thousand percent is in this movie. Wow. Name I'd be shocked I'd be shocked if Namor was in this movie. And I bet I would assume there's some kind of Black Panther in the movie too, but that's I I refuse. I I, I genuinely think that the original plan was to have Chadwick play Star Lord T'Challa as one of the Illuminati, and I'll forever be sad that that's not something we can get. Uh, But that's just a multi. That's and also, by the way, speaking of Chadwick, today is the fourth birthday of Black Panther. The movie came out today four years ago already. Unbelievable that that is four years old already. Uh, But Chadwick, what a legend! Forever missed. Um, do you put go ahead, stock in the stuff that we're getting in the chat right now about like one of the variants instead of getting Superior Iron Man, getting Iron Lad? Oh, and then when Wanda comes through and ransacks the place, he flees to try and stop that from happening by assembling the kids like he did in the comics. He's just a lone survivor. He's a lone I survivor. Think a, I, I think that would be that. a story for the next movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And it is funny to imagine like Jonathan Majors running away from the hospital with the detonator like in Dark Knight and being like, uh, ha ha ha, I got rid of them too. <laughs> like I did it. Another piece falls into place. It is sort of interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that. You guys, you guys are crazy. Freaking comment section coming through, <laughs> making me question everything. And the comment section is a co-host. They Basically, are. at this they point. Are. What is really interesting about about the Professor X thing that it again we don't know for sure, but this is Patrick Stewart as Professor X, and if that happens, I just wrote a thing that was really interesting. Guinness uh, World Records announced a couple like a month ago that uh, Tobey Maguire and Willem Dafoe broke the record for a lo- the longest running Marvel ki- live action character because they went from <laughs> 2002 Spider Man to No Way Home. The record had the previous record was Patrick Stewart and uh, Hugh Jackman. So they just got it, and now Patrick Stewart's gonna immediately take it right back. Like I, you know, I will happily watch that go back and forth. It's like the Endgame Avatar thing of like these are gonna keep trading. Who is the most (laughs) successful movie of all time? Like we're just gonna have that with like Toby and Patrick Stewart. Now, now, quiz right now at this moment in time before anything else has come out. Who is the longest tenured strictly MCU actor? Samuel Jackson. Nope. Yes. Nope. He was in the first one. Yep, that's correct. But I'm saying of the things that have been released at right now, he, he was the, he was in the first. I, unless you're talking about Toby Maguire because he nope. was part of like. Nope. The, I'm okay. talking about my man Happy Hogan. Oh, John. Favreau. They're all the same movie. <laughs> yeah, but John Favreau was in Spider-Man: No Way Home, so he is currently the longest tenured because he's appeared that the most sense. recently. 
and was in the first one. Samuel Jackson will take it back when Secret Invasion comes He's out. Still, but well, right still now it's working. Happy no, I understand. Okay. I understand. I'm just saying, Nick, as of right now, Nick. the longest spent that no, that's not. Caleb, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't like how our jail has just escalated to just. You can get taken out at any time. All right. I don't like Moon Knight nearly enough for this treatment. Uh, Nick! Nick! Jim is just going to crash gorilla radio style. Just chat. Just crash this thing. All right. All right. My last thing I want to talk about. I just need to make that clear. The Illuminati. I think you got Captain Carter. I think you got Professor X. I think Namor is a good call by Charlie. Um, I think you'll have John Krasinski as Reed Richards. Uh, I think there will there might be a strange in there, maybe a different strange. Uh, that's pretty much well, as far what, as I can go. Four stranges in the trailer, at least. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, I mean the trailer and the spot because there's one yeah. in the spot that's not in the trailer. Yeah, the defenders costume mm-hmm. one. That's totally yeah. a different one from the main one that yeah. we're gonna follow. Yeah, there's the main one. There's the evil one. There's that one, and there's the one with the the arms. If that's not one of the other ones, just yeah. a variation. Of that. I don't know. There's a lot of stranges. Um, all right, now we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get to a very important topic here, and I have a message I need to read from Jamie Jurak. Happy birthday, Jamie Jurak, by the way. Happy birthday, uh, Jamie. As, happy birthday, Jamie. Everybody in the comments section, let's let's get you guys singing in there. Uh, all right, she said she wants me to read her reaction to the Doctor Strange trailer, and it is word for word. Ah, school and crossbones, school and crossbones, school and crossbones, school and crossbones. Fuck, that was the. <laughs> that was Jamie's reaction. And on that note, we need to talk about Wanda Maximoff. And everybody would rather hear from Jenna on this one. So Jenna, <laughs> take take it away. I like how I'm the like designated survivor of Wanda Maximoff stands if Jamie isn't here to, to talk about Wanda. Um, I I like the direction that they seem to be going with with her. I know there have been rumors for months that it's like, oh, she could be the villain of this movie. And I was like, you're really going to have to sell me on that. After this trailer, I'm honestly sold. I think that the way, like like you mentioned it earlier, the scene of the two Wandas in the Westview house, I know that is going to just be a gut punch. Like that is going to hurt in the best possible way to watch. I am so excited to see it. And I think it is this thing of like, you can you can have problems with the Westview of it all and what she did in Westview. I'm not completely excusing that by any stretch of the imagination, but I am very curious to see how this further evolves for her. And I love the line of her being like, you changed everything and you were the hero. I changed it and I'm the villain. Like, I like that she is kind of reclaiming this and kind of saying the quiet parts out loud. So I'm very curious to see, as people have said, Wanda's in her reputation era. Like she's just she's just coming to to like take names and I'm very excited for it. Oh man, I can't wait to see Wanda. I love how Elizabeth Olsen keeps getting to do more and more and the delivery of that line is so perfect and poignant and chilling and I cannot wait to see Wanda figure it all out in this movie. Anybody else Anybody else got some Wanda thoughts? Uh, there's a lot of discussion about whether that part in the forest is really in the forest or not because mm-hmm. of the nature of her powers and then like the staging of her saying it's not fair is exactly the same like he still got on his little anor- like his puffer and his scarf <laughs> speaking of reputation and then he's like looking very very shook like maybe the scene changes and he go- walks in there thinking it's this big weird white blossom forest and then it's like oh no we're we're somewhere else. remember that there were two of them there was her and her astral projection that were hanging out there at the same time yeah when apparently he scrolled down the mountains in the you know 
in the altered scene. Wow. Um, Hey, and when that happened, she was outside <laughs> doing her thing, and then her Scarlet Witch inside was, you know, yeah, going through the book and and figuring stuff out with with the multiverse of it all to find her kids. So, you know, I think that that both can be true at the same time. Um, there can be this like crumbling of reality that happens, you know, right away. And and again, Aaron, to your point, way back at the beginning of the episode, like that feels like a very beginning of the. You know, very beginning of the the movie kind of situation, and I, I think they're both going to be villains to an extent. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, absolutely. obviously, Strange has variants, but like, I think this is going to play with, just like Raimi did with the Spider Man films, where you play with what the idea of heroism and villainy, like what they really mean, and and you know, you had villains that you really like attached to it, and you 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 know, uh, both Doc Ock and Green Goblin, like you you understood them to an extent, not that they were right, but you you got them. Um, and I think that you can really play with that with Strange and what he did for Peter because he didn't entrap a whole community of people, but also like he altered the multiverse so a kid could get into college. It was it, that's kind of a weird flex. And then you have you know Wanda who did what she did for for just reasons it feels like, but also like caused a lot of pain to a lot of people. And so they're going to play with levels of what's right and wrong. And I'm really excited for that exploration in this movie. If we if they really I do love a gray that. area. Yeah, I, I, I do, do love have... characters. One very harebrained thing that I have forgotten until this moment about like your Illuminati like lineup. What are the chances why Vision's up there? Oh, what are the chances why Vision's up there? Well, I don't think so. I don't, well, not the I don't think it'll be the main MCU's like, yeah, white vision. He's not the main MCU's white vision, though, but he kind of is. He's one board of the ship of the MCU yeah. regular vision. Well, right. So, but there, we don't have, well, I mean, that would be, I, I, with the information we have right now, I don't think he'll be there because I don't think like, like he is of the MCU. He only has knowledge of the main MCU. Like he doesn't have knowledge of other universes. He doesn't have the means of traveling between different uh, planets or universes and stuff. So I don't know, maybe that would be, that would be interesting, but I don't think so. Part of me thinks that won't happen purely because like Marvel wants to sell toys and it's like you can't really sell a toy of a character who looks almost exactly like he did the last time he was on screen. Like there's only so many ways you can update like the white vision look and justify having like new Funko Pops and new action figures and hot toys and stuff. Also, that said, I do think also that the Illuminati is going to die in this movie. Most of them anyway. Yeah, like, I think that we're going to yeah. see universes get killed and we're going to see yeah. the Illuminati go down. And I think that that's what makes this the secret wars lead in. And actually what, what we got to wrap up here because right. we got to talk about Moon Knight, a couple other things. So the, I, I do think that we're seeing signs of like things that lead to secret wars. Jenna has noted that we might be seeing Savage Land. Like there's dinosaurs in this trailer. Let's yep. go. Jurassic yep. World could never actually I'm very excited for Jurassic World. Um, <laughs> zombies are in here we have the ultron bots like there's different universes that are set up and what if there are different universes that we know from comics that are going to be brought to live action there is an Cap animated the universe carter shield the yeah captain carter shield her universe is in it there's there's a framework there's literally like two frames you have to download the trailer if you want to pause it on the shot but you can see that one of the universes they are traveling to is animated maybe mm -hmm. that's x-men 97 maybe that's a spider-man thing i don't know it could be anything but that you're going to see animated versions of doctor strange in this movie there, there's so much here that shows that this could be, this very obviously is setting the stage for Secret Wars. I don't know if this is as much of like a, a, a civil war setup as Age of Ultron seemed to be because it felt like a stepping stone. I don't think this movie is going to feel like a stepping stone. I think this, I, I really hope this movie is its own complete thing that like all Marvel movies has fallout afterwards, but we're getting all the pieces for everybody to lose 
And except for maybe Strange and Wanda, they kind of figure out they get their arc completed. But then like the Illuminati goes down, all the people who try to stop these universes from colliding fail. And later we're going to see them start to fall. Like we're, it's here. It's all here. Maybe, hopefully, unless the trailer was lying, which is also possible. <laughs> also possible. Um, the last thing I want to talk about on this front, on the Doc Strange front, is that I saw on Twitter several people talking about uh, this could be like post House of M already, or there could be a universe that's post House of M, and that we and we we meet a Scarlet Witch who kind of explains that to Wanda or something. I like that theory. I don't. Oh. Know, I think it'd be cool to incorporate it. Elizabeth Olsen has said she wants to do it, and I support Elizabeth Olsen in anything she wants to do. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, but we'll see. All right, Moon Knight. Anything we want to talk about on Moon Knight? Trailer was really good. 30-second spot, and it's going to get about 30 seconds on the show today. Uh, <laughs> this was a good trailer. We're like, giving it the same treatment as the Super Bowl. <laughs> this, was, this was a good thing for, like, if you were watching the Super Bowl and you've never heard of Moon Knight, this was a good introduction. But for those of us, obviously, who are obnoxiously online and are aware of everything with Moon Knight, it's like, this is a lot of what we've seen before. It still was a very good trailer, though. Very good trailer. It's going to be very interesting to see how Moon Knight runs into Doctor Strange because the finale for Moon Knight is on the day that Doctor Str- is on the week that Doctor Strange hits theaters, right? I I think it's the week before. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's close to the same time. Well, yeah. Cuz May the 4th was when we all thought Obi-Wan was going to come out and then we yeah. were like, "Oh, Moon Knight must have a double episode premiere because Obi-Wan's going to come out on the 4th. Obi-Wan's coming out on May 25th, which would mean May the 4th is going to be Moon Knight's oh. finale unless they still do a double episode premiere." Yeah. And then Strange opens on May 6th. Yeah. I wonder if they'll have any connection. I hope so. I love connections. I was so <laughs> sad not to see Spider-Man in Hawkeye. Um, Jenna added, you added news here. From the, um, the the Anubis of it all, or oh, the Conchu of it all. Yeah. So yesterday, yeah, yesterday, um, it was confirmed that F. Murray Abraham is playing the voice of Conchu. Like that was a thing on the Disney Press site. So that's kind of cool. Like now we know who's voicing Conchu. And then people have been speculating about Ethan Hawke, like who he could be playing, who he could not be playing, because it seems like the tattoo of the scale on his arm could hint that he's playing Anubis, because his whole thing is judgment and all of that. So yeah, a- Aaron, what do you think? You're over here doing. <laughs> it's, it's like the crocodile design of it is like. Like a yeah. real, like I imagine tell, but I we don't know for sure. Like I, they really found some way to kind of like deny at all costs until the absolute last second because they named him after this really early villain that only has a little bit of history. And if you ask any Oscar Isaac or Ethan Hawke about it, it's like pulling teeth. They're not just not gonna tell you. So we'll all be waiting in suspense. Also, I think. And this is like a really wild leap to make that if you're going to have a connection after Moon Knight, it's probably going to be with Thor, Love and Thunder and not Multiverse of Madness because there's so many gods running around. God Butcher. Yeah. Yeah. That that seems like a easy like layup thing for me uh, just because there's so many different weird gods running around in it, like the Egyptian pantheon running through this show that. You know, Gord and, and you know his 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 big pokey stick. They're gonna they're gonna wander down. I, I, feel, I feel like Adam has mentioned to me like at least seventeen times <laughs> how much he wants Gore to show up at the end of Moon Knight. Oh, like, that's his big MCU checklist. Adam wants Mahershala to like slide in on a skateboard and start dealing with people at the end of the two, and I don't know if that's gonna happen. You know, I respect people who know what they want from the MCU. Yep, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> And obviously, there was purple magic coming from the pyramid. It was Agatha all along. Oh boy, uh, we didn't even talk about Agatha. 
<laughs> I don't need to. I just want so much Agatha. I want all the Agatha. Is she in Doctor Strange? I mean, I she's mean, in she Westview. So. Oh. She's got to be. House oh, of Harkness, Coven's. At some know, point, who else is who still knows? in Westview? Who? Oh, Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Brandon, just disappointed. This is. I feel Charlie bad for always asks me. I gave I gave Nick such a, such a setup. I I, I I made sure he you know he had time <laughs> to get rid of me. Nick is the best phase zero officer. He is ready. He's re- anyway. Also, happy birthday, Richard, who has the week off for his birthday. Uh, but woof, we don't we don't compliment Ralph Boner on this show. <laughs> I didn't, that wasn't even a compliment. That was just he is in Westview. You knew what you were doing. Yeah, I'm stating a fact. Today is February 16th. <laughs> Trash collection in Nashville was yesterday. Stop dumping it out today. All right. Hey. Monday. Uh, you know, it was, well, you, you, whatever. We live in different parts of Nashville. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple, a couple other things. I put my trash quick. out. Did you put your trash out on Monday? A couple <laughs> other things. Uh, we're going to, a couple other things real quick. Uh, there will be an interview with Danny Ramirez uh, that I conducted yesterday for this movie called No Exit that hits Hulu. Can't say anything about the movie yet, but I can say when I interviewed Danny Ramirez, he was an absolute blast to talk to. And I asked him, have you been fitted for any wings lately? And if you don't remember Danny Ramirez, he played Torres in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm going to save his answer for that clip. And we have one other piece of news that Jenna added to the rundown here, so I'll let her take it. Yeah, so this was our post credit scene of last week's episode. This was probably like an hour or so after we were done recording. Um, Anthony Ramos from Hamilton and In the Heights and the upcoming Transformers reboot has been cast in Ironheart. He's in a mystery role. The The reporting kind of said that he's going to be in multiple projects, and they kind of compared it to how Kang was introduced in Loki and then could kind of spin out from there. Um, my, I am convinced that he is playing the hood because it would just be... That is such a weird and specific corner for Riri to have to fight. And then I could see him just kind of spinning off and dealing with like the kingpin of it all and all of the organized crime sort of stuff. But what do y'all think? Like, what do y'all think now that he's in this show? I honestly had no guesses. (laughs) So yours is far better than mine. And I'm looking into it right now. And I think uh, that could be that could be a good fit. Oh, yeah, I, that's I, I don't have much to say because I genuinely sat here and stared at that news and tried to think about who he could play. And literally nothing came to my mind. And now, like, there's just that's a I support it. I got to educate myself on the hood further. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with I'm with Brandon. I don't know uh, a lot about the hood. And I'm sad to say that because the hood sounds like a character that I would be very into. Um, he, Maybe I'm just associating him with Red Hood. I. Uh, <laughs> He seems I, like I don't a character know, but... who like went bad for right reasons. Yeah, yeah. that is yeah. kind of his vibe. Yeah. Um, I don't think it matches up with the Jeff Bridges of it all, but I kind of, I kind of earmarked Obadiah Stane's son to be mm-hmm. a big part of Ironheart, and so I love Danny Ramirez for that role. I just don't know if he fits based on Anthony Jeff Bridges, Ramos. but Anthony you know, it, yeah, Anthony, yeah. Oh, I'm, I am confusing all my characters <laughs> right now. Um, either way, we're I would winning. Love, I would love anything from, <laughs> yeah. from the young stage. No, I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Characters, oh, God. Either way, Anthony is a great actor, so I am, like, excited to see him in this universe to begin with. It's just, yeah, my my new pet theory. If anyone in the chat has not watched In the Heights, it's streaming exactly. on HBO Max. Yeah. And it is one of the best movies of last year. Yeah. So go check out In the Heights if you have Also, he was in A Star is Born, right? Yes. And yeah. he's in the new Transformers movie that's coming out. Yep. 
which is a trilogy mm-hmm. on, which on is, which is a trilogy aaron what we do you love think paramount here yeah, we love we do that's that's where we that's where we work now uh <laughs> coming to you live from the mountaintop like <laughs> perfect nick let him say uh, <laughs> um i just was wondering like there's so many different characters swirling around. I'm kind of with Charlie. Like, I'm freaking floating through the multiverse. I have no idea. Because I saw your thing about the hood, and I'm like, that does, like, make a ton of sense. But it does not make me feel any better because we keep adding people to the wheel of evil. And there are a lot of slices. The wheel of evil is looking real prices right-ish. Uh-uh, like, right now. It's not great. I am very confused. I don't know, like... That's one thing I guess I am hoping that freaking Doctor Strange does give us is like, all right, so who's really the boss? Who's really, who are we really dealing with here? Because there's been like, now, how many projects have we had since uh, Spider-Man Far From Home? Like at least six or seven, right? We had three movies last year, four, three, five four, shows. Three, four shows. Four, four movies yeah. last year. Four movies last yeah. year, five shows. And she's not. Charlie already forgot about Eternals. <laughs> no, Eternals, uh, Eternals is not the one I forgot about. Yeah, I promise you that. Um, I forgot about What If, though. I will say that, even though we just talked about Ugh. it two minutes ago. Um, it's so important if. now, though. It's so important. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah. It's very it's important. It's so important now. It's, it's hilarious. It's Especially the excellent Doctor Strange episode. There are zombies in Multiverse of Madness. Oh, yeah, I there could are. not have guessed. Um, but we none of us could guess what the actual big bad of whatever's coming next is. There's no way. We could ask all four of us, like, right now. We all have a different answer. Because I'm sure if you went to Bar Heart, he'd be like, it's Kingpin. What are you talking mm. about? <laughs> Kofi's over here like me and thinks it's Kang. Like, I, I say Kang. Uh, freaking Jailing is still just assembling her army. Just mm-hmm. off in the cut. That would somewhere. be wild. Yeah. Sharon's like sa- sabotaging the government from inside <laughs> of everything. It, yeah. It's just going to be a that, big and battle that, and that is the That is the thing. Like, you know, you talk We're about that and Brandon talks about secret wars. Like, I do think sometime in 2022, we need some kind of like pointed direct. Like, at some time you have to say something about where this is all going because it all seems so... Like there's connections, but it's just so all over the place. Whereas, you know, phase one, when you're building to, you know, the infinity of it all, everything had its own story, but it all kind of was working towards the Avengers and working towards this one thing and building towards Thanos and the Infinity Stones. And at some point they have to like put this in a direction. I'll say this though. I'll say this. Phase one of the MCU did not give you that at all until the post credit scene of the Avengers. You really had no, no kind of vision of the big picture. And typically in the past, I would have agreed with you, Charlie, but then I watched the Mandalorian and I watched those week by week episodes that were single, singular stories, Mm -hmm. single missions each week, slowly feeding the overarching story. And in season one, I said, man, I really wish this would kind of tell me where we're going. Tell me what the point is. And then it didn't like it just kind of got there with really yeah, entertaining episodes along the way. And it is my favorite. It is so good. Well, yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and, and, and this, I guess, what I'm saying, is phase one, you were even if you didn't know Thanos, you were building towards the Avengers, and you had the hints in each thing about the Avengers. No. I mean, you had hints in each thing. You had Samuel Jackson showing up. You had Coulson showing up. You yeah, had I mean, you have that like, here too. You, you were had building towards something. You had and also it was grounded enough that you could separate these stories. And they could be their own thing. And if nothing else happened from them, they could be their own thing. But now you're throwing a whole multiverse out of sync. And then you're going to try to tell a grounded Ironheart story. See, like, 
you've got to find some way to make it all make sense and, and at least work towards something to make them cohesive. See, the argument that I would make is that like the writing is on the wall. We are eventually getting to Secret Wars. I think like every piece of the puzzle that is being presented to us is going to somehow feed into Secret Wars, even if it isn't like the smallest possible way. But at the same time, we are also getting like here is Kingpin and the kind of street level big bad of all of these various shows. Here is all of the like government shady technology stuff with like Armor Wars and Ironheart and all of that. Here is like the cosmic stuff. Here is the supernatural stuff. Like we are getting, it feels more reflective of the comics where you can have these kind of mini bosses and then you can have like the larger arc of Secret Wars. And I like that better. I like not having it be a thing where every single installment of the MCU has to feed into Secret Wars and has to be a piece of a puzzle. It can just thrive on its own and then funnel into the big thing once we get there. Yeah, and I, I think both of you have good points here because I like I do want to see it all come together and all of it mean something, but I think along the way we are going to see threads that are unrelated to each other. Yeah. I think you're going to see Daredevil in New York with Kingpin and maybe Kate Bishop if she stays there and doesn't go live at her aunt's West Coast apartment uh, or estate, and I think you'll have ground-level heroes, and then you'll have Sam Wilson who kind of can transcend because he's Captain America. He can help the ground-level heroes he can also go up and be a big time Avenger. You'll have, you know, your Black Panther and stories in Wakanda. You, like there's and Doctor Strange stories in the multiverse, Thor and the Guardian stories in the cosmos. And I think there will be a lot of different kind of roads that a lot of times they will kind of lead to each other and go over each other and things like that. But I think along the way you are going to have different paths. Aaron's been Aaron's been had thoughts on Aaron's face. I just yes. this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted. I wanted exactly. this to happen, and I was like, "Yes, we're doing it. <laughs> we're just having it out right now." I think that a lot of my anxiety might be born out of like my ADHD or whatever. Like I just want one thing to focus on, and I know that that's not something everybody has. But for me, I'm like, "Woo!" I don't understand. Like it's hard for me to see how. Because you're right, Brent. I think that is what's going to happen, is that yeah. it's all parallel streams, and then they're going to hit each other for one project and then diverge again. And then at the big event, whatever freaking Avengers 5, whatever it is, if it's Secret Wars, if it's something else, it's all going to converge there and then immediately splinter off again until we get to the eventual Secret Wars where it's really going to hit the fan. And everybody from street level on up to Cosmic is going to have their role to play in whatever is the big bad of it. I don't know if it's going to be Dr. Doom or if it's going to be Null or whatever. If it's evil time traveling Mark Ruffalo. Bam. There's so much black goop in the last two years. I stand by it. There's so much black goop in the MCU. There's so I'd be much. I'm so happy. But it is Freaking, there's just weird black goop running around. What the heck was that weird black goop that Jonathan Majors was using in Loki? Why are you using the same design language for these disparate things? <laughs> there, we know from the Eternals that there was a world before the Celestials created this universe. Why? They're, they're, why goop. leave these breadcrumbs for me? This is what I'm talking about with my OCD. I'm like, that, that's not on accident. <laughs> me and Adam Barnhart have the, the freaking, like, you know, the crazy serial killer map <laughs> in the other room where we're like, we need, we need it to out. get that clip. Yeah. We need to get there is so much black goop in the energy. <laughs> oh so my that and the wheel of evil. The wheel of evil. I'm about to build the wheel of evil before this year is over. We're gonna go to Home Depot. I love it. 
<laughs> the MCU is playing the Game of Thrones. Also, can uh, I like we we forgot to include it on the notes, but the Marvel Netflix shows leaving Netflix. I feel like we should touch on that because that is kind of crazy. Yeah. Speaking of Adam, are they going to Disney Plus? They There's haven't no said way. yet. They've said that they'll they'll let us know like soon. But I think I mean, it's we're, thing of, like, we're at the middle of the month, so yeah. the Disney Plus March list should be out like within the next few days, mm-hmm. and that could and but that that's the same day as the Hulu list, so. That could be an incredibly telling news drop when it arrives. We also because Agents of Shield is leaving Netflix too. That yeah. seems like a prime Disney Plus thing. Agents of Shield Agents Disney of Plus Shield, makes all yeah. the sense. Yeah, but Daredevil they, they they have to tone it back. And I don't see I'd that happening. I hope I that would genuinely would be shocked if they put those movies on Disney or those shows on Disney Plus anytime soon until there is like an adult section. I will say, though, my one thing that will be weird if they do end up on Hulu, like I've talked about this with with my family of like, I don't envy the person who is going to have to figure out where to put in ad breaks in these shows that were originally designed to be streamed like in a single sitting. Because that's going to be really weird to see. Like, where do you fit in commercial ew, on this show? Ew, that I know. Ew. And so part of me wants them to be on Disney Plus Ugh. so they can just run it uninterrupted. Because otherwise with Hulu, it's going to be so many weird ads. Car door so slam commercial. <laughs> As, a, Matt, a Matt Damon crypto <laughs> ad right before yeah. the big, yep, the big king. Just like fight. as a completionist, mm-hmm. I want to see them all under the one Marvel tab. Yep, that's it. I don't ask for much. Sony put Spider Man in there. All right, we got to wrap it up for today because we have Ruben Fleischer, director of Uncharted and Venom. We have a spoiler-free Uncharted interview coming up next. No spoilers for Tom Holland's. Big video game film coming up. Aaron, any last words for today? Um, this was super fun. Uh, Marvel, just keep giving us trailers every week so we can geek out. <laughs> yeah, have Charlie please. go into jail four times an episode. Put some miles on that jail cell. Jenna. <laughs> um, go read some comics. Go read some George Perez comics. I know it was announced right before we started recording that the Hero Initiative is reprinting JLA Avengers, which is one of the best comic runs ever. That is the pinnacle of a comic crossover. It is so good. So check that out. Go read some stuff from him because he is just incredible. Uh, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to I'm gonna keep it easy. And what they said, more trailers, read, read all the comics. Um, go, go. I, I wish there, you know, there's, there's so much, there's so much cool Doctor Strange to read that if you're a casual, you know, there's so much mm-hmm. I haven't read that I've just, I, the more I dive into Doctor Strange that it gets so much nuttier than, than you think. There's a whole arc where Loki becomes the Sorcerer Supreme, like, mm-hmm. and that happened recently. They, they create hell in Las Vegas. Like there's really cool stuff in Doctor Strange, even the, even the recent things um, that are, are really, really fun to read. So mm-hmm. go give comics some money because without comics, none of this, None of this happens. Absolutely. So yep. subscribe to a Substack, buy a comic, do something, do something cool like that. Go get some comics, listen to Comic Book Nation. Janelle's a huge uh, Doctor Strange fan, and they do talk comics there quite often. Uh, how was Uncharted? Uh, phew, I don't know if I want to put a number on it, but I do <laughs> like it. I was, I was quite surprised by Uncharted. I, I had a lot of fun watching it. Is it like an amazing movie? No, but it's kind of like Indiana Jones meets Pirates of the Caribbean in tone, and I really just had fun watching it. That said, not a huge Uncharted game, like, uh, like whatever. I, I think they're probably great. I've never played through all of them, so I don't have that kind of preconceived version of what I want Nathan Drake to be. So I was able to just go in and enjoy it with the knowledge I have of those games 
which is much more limited than people who have played through all four. So that said, I enjoyed Uncharted. Really grateful that Ruben Fleischer came on Phase Zero and had a really cool, honest conversation with us about making that movie, about looking back at Venom, about the plans he may or may not have had. I'm going to stop rambling. That's enough of a preview because it's coming up right now after this break. So see you uh, next Wednesday. Enjoy this interview. Looking forward to hearing from all of you. If you have questions, hit us with your tweets uh, directly. We don't really check the notifications on Phase Zero, but we appreciate when you like and retweet that stuff. We don't respond from that. We respond as ourselves. So tweet us or respond to Phase Zero. I don't know. Have a good week. (laughs) Enjoy Ruben Fleischer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back to Phase Zero, everybody. Joining us right now, this is going to be a fun interview on the show. Uh, he's previously helmed a Marvel film in the form of Venom. That was the qualifier to get on Phase Zero, of course. Got to be part of the Marvel family. But, uh, but also has headed up titles such as Gangster Squad, Zombieland, Zombieland, Double Taps, a lot of movies that I've really enjoyed. And if you're anything like me or my age, you've probably spent a lot of time watching TV shows he's been involved with, like Robin Big. Rob Deerdick's Fantasy Factory. Maybe you checked out his comic book TV series, Stumptown. Uh, but he's at the helm of the upcoming Uncharted movie. It's hitting theaters this weekend. I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot. He's joining us now on Phase Zero, Mr. Ruben Fleischer. Ruben, how you doing, man? Awesome, Brandon. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, dude. Thank you for joining. I, 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 I just want to tell you, I really enjoyed the film. And I'm going to be honest with you. When you go into a video game movie, it's easy to be a little nervous because video game movies sometimes... Uh, come out okay. <laughs> this one definitely raises the bar, and I want to thank you for that because not only did you honor the game, uh, you've got Tom Holland in it, you've got a great Naughty Dog story you're adapting, but you also put your own stamp on it, and it worked. So thank you for making a really good video game movie. Well, thank you for telling me that. I, uh, you know, it's always nerve wracking when you take on something that's beloved by fans, and all you can do is hope they don't screw it up. So the fact that you. Uh, Appreciate it. it. Makes me really proud and happy. Yeah, dude, uh, you, you've earned it on this one. Uh, and you guys shot this. I want to start at the beginning because you guys kind of shot this through the pandemic, right? You were or you were the first production back to work back in 2020. Yeah, it was a crazy experience. Um, we shot the movie in Berlin, Germany, um, and we were prepping it all the way uh, through the spring of 2020. And our First day of shooting was intended to be March 16th, 2020. And I think on the COVID timeline, Tom Hanks caught COVID uh, on the 12th of March. And that was kind of, to me, the touchstone for when like the world kind of came to an end. Um, And so we were in the midst of it out there in Germany. And at that time, it was way worse in Europe than it was in America. So all of our friends and family back home were like, you know, be careful. Like, you know, this shit's real. Like, you know, watch out. Um, and crew members were starting to get a little nervous and we, we, we just didn't know what was going to happen. And then, um, yeah, March 16th was our first day of shooting. We were lit. Our set was built. We'd rehearsed. The actors were there. Everything was ready to go. And the studio said, you know what? Um, 
take that day. Don't, don't shoot anything. Um, but you know, let's just see how this plays out. And then by that evening, they were like, okay, you guys got to get on a plane and come home. So I left uh, Berlin. We locked the stages. I was like, you know, really sad because this was such a dream movie. Um, and I had no confidence that we'd be returning. So it's to Sony's credit that by July, um, they felt like it was safe enough, safe enough for us to return you got to give Germany credit too, just because at that time they were so ahead of the curve in terms of like just reducing the spread. Um, and, and yeah, we unlocked the doors of the stages. Uh, our sets were still there, maybe a little dusty, but in the world of uncharted, that didn't hurt anything. Um, and we got back to work and uh, we picked up where we left off and started shooting the film. We shot from July uh, 2020 till the very end of October and it was completely unprecedented. Without being too corny, it was uh, we. It was an uncharted path making a movie in a pandemic, and uh, we all had to wear masks, obviously, and get tested every day. It really was challenging in terms of Ber Berlin was really strict in terms of its restrictions as to like how many people can be in a room, things like that. For so, for example, the auction scene, we were originally supposed to have twice as many extras, but we're unable to. Um, that, that club scene where we had hundreds of kids jammed in a pretty much ventless basement, uh, was stressful. Um, and then we went to Spain to shoot all the exteriors in, in that sequence where Nate and Chloe, um, are, you know, they meet in the fountains and the run on the rooftops that, that day we tested 700 people between the cast crew and extras. Uh, you know, it was a lot of people in a, pandemic environment to have all together. Uh, luckily it was outside, so we had a little bit more freedom, but it was a real challenge. Um, and I got to give a lot of credit to the crew and the cast for just sticking with it. We didn't shut down a single day. Um, I think we shot 77 days or something like that total uh, in two different countries. Uh, and it was just an incredible experience, but not without challenges, that's for sure. Wow. And you guys, you guys did a great job adapting because when you watch the film, that doesn't come through that you guys had any like limitations or anything like that. It all just, you guys made it all work really well. Um, in the beginning of the film, you start with the cargo chase. And this has been one of the scenes that has been one of the most heavily marketed sequences you guys did too. And it's obviously very iconic from the uncharted games. You open the film with it and you come back to it full circle. Uh, I want to hear about that. Like how long was that shoot? Like, cause this probably had to be one of your biggest set pieces and I imagine it took up a pretty good chunk of those 77 days because there's a lot of moving parts there and homaging the game with that. It was so cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that sequence was always one of my favorites um, from the video game franchise. And when I read the script and saw that it opened with that, I was just so stoked. Um, and yeah, we, the way that that was shot was actually pretty cool. I'd never uh, done anything quite like it, but there's these things called Kuka arms, which are robotic arms that you would see like on the floor of a um, car factory. And we were using them to suspend the boxes and there was five of them and they, they're all programmed by a computer. So that they have like synchronized movement and they were able to do like that fishtail thing and we could stack them vertically. So they had a bit of a, a descent. Uh, which allowed gravity to help us out. And then our second unit director, Scott Rogers, who is also our stunt coordinator, just is like a master with um, rigging. And so putting the, the cast and the stunt guys on wires to traverse those boxes, um, it was shot in the parking lot outside of the stages in Babelsberg. 
and then we composited in the background. So it was really a, a the, you know, the, the, the robotic arms and boxes was provided by the special effects department who also had giant fans blowing in Tom's face. The stunt team was responsible for conceiving of and uh, shooting a bunch of that action. Scott, you know, Tom shot with Scott and he'd shoot, shoot with me. And we kind of, you know, traded, traded uh, the set back and forth. Um, and then uh, the visual effects team, which was led by Chaz Jarrett, our uh, visual effects supervisor, who's just beyond talented in terms of making it feel like he's really hanging out in the back of a plane. Dude, uh, <laughs> so I could, I would love to, they need to release some behind the scenes stuff. Of that. There is, there's some pretty cool features that show kind of how it was made. And when I show it to friends who've seen the trailer, they can't believe, you know, it was just a couple dudes in a parking lot, uh, you know, bouncing Unreal. around the boxes. Unreal. Tom, Tom Cruise would have made you guys really fly a plane and drop it. <laughs> you can think you guys well, did it. that to him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You guys did it a pretty a pretty good way. Uh, in the games, obviously, Nathan, he's a cocky little fella, and uh, Tom does a really good job bringing that to life. And he also kind of puts, like, the Tom stamp of his own little personality traits to it that he likes to bring to characters. I want to hear from you, like, you know, you guys struck a nice balance of honoring it, but also, you know, making this a character that works in a film. What were kind of the core components of Nathan that came from the game that you wanted to make sure came through before adding your own uh, stamps to it? Well... Nathan Drake in the game is somebody who's been at this treasure hunting thing for a long time. Uh, whereas our character, you know, he's an unassuming bartender who has a love for history. But other than that, really uh, no experience out there in the world, fighting, shooting, jumping off of planes, all the things that he learns how to do. So I think that um, the naivete that Tom brings to the character is warranted. Um, because he's not this veteran guy. He's a guy who just yesterday was, you know, tending bar uh, and then just kind of got thrust into these extreme circumstances. So um, what I love is that for fans of the game, they get to see a different chapter in Nate's life and kind of see how he would go through these experiences, which would lead him to become the Nathan Drake that they know and love. And this does kind of, it is like very much a Nathan Drake origin story in this world. And it also pulls in the storyline of the brother, which is a much later story from the games. And I love that you're setting this up already. Uh, are you already, are you guys already laying out? Like, do you have ideas? Are you like, well, listen, but we brought this in now so we can maybe explore it later. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there are certainly teases. Um, I would say that it all depends on, you know, the audience, if they, if they like this movie enough to want to see another one, hopefully we'll get to be lucky enough to make uh, a sequel but yeah, you can't help but, you know, just through the process of making this and adding the movie, you know, my mind wanders and I start to imagine different adventures that Nate and Sully could go go on. And as a fan of the games, you know, there's characters I'd certainly love to to meet that we have yet to. Um, and other, and other um, you know, cool action set pieces that we can car kind of borrow from as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the, this the, the these games are full of those. Um, and I, I spoke to uh, Tati, who was brilliant as a, as a kind of a gray area, mostly villain character in this one. Um, and she was an absolute blast to talk to. She's so nice in person. She's so intense in the film. <laughs> I want to hear about bringing that out of her uh, because you created a, a new character, a fresh character for the film with her. Uh, and she just knocks it out of the park. Yeah. She's such a cool actress. I, I, well, be honest, I wasn't familiar with her prior to um, 
you know, starting to look for someone who could play that role. And she auditioned and um, I was completely blown away by her screen presence. Um, she's surprisingly young, but she has a maturity uh, that, that I think is just really impressive. Um, she also, you know, having spoken to her, you, you, you can, you can attest that, you know, she's like this giggly high pitched voice, like girl, kind of girly girl, uh, which is anything but the character that she plays in this movie. Um, so it's a testament to her talent and the character that she created that, you know, she was able to transform herself um, to become Braddock. I was, I was also reading in the notes that Antonio Banderas and Tom Holland originally didn't have a scene together and they end up getting one early on uh, that kind of really, I guess, puts things in perspective for Nathan. I thought like, and, and that Tom wanted that scene is what it said in the notes for the film. Like did Tom come to you and say, listen, I, I got Antonio like pushing boots is in the movie. I got, I got to work with this guy. <laughs> like, what? Um, Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it was actually my, uh, I don't want to take credit for it, but I will. Uh, yeah, it was my <laughs> instinct that the, the hero and the villain should face off um, in a quote, game recognized game moment. Um, and it was odd to me that they never had that opportunity. They only saw each other from afar. And while it's not like the longest scene, at least it gives us the opportunity for Tom to look him you know, dead in the eyes and know like who he's up against and the challenge he faces. I also love how that's kind of like two generations of actors that are face to face for a second too. Cause Tom is like the new generation, right? And Antonio has been doing this for a minute and he's such a legend. I love how you put them together. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's true of Wahlberg as well. I mean, the, it was really cool to have, um, you know, this mixture of, of personalities. I mean, Sophia and Tati are both, you know, I don't think either have ever been in a studio movie before. So we had the whole spectrum. Sophia was great as Chloe too. And you even threw her into the classic costume. She's the only character from the games who got her own, like was the protagonist in a game. Uh, she talk, can you talk about kind of making sure she dressed and brought out? Cause that in the, in the game, she's very much a, the, the, that has that same independent spirit, has that same kind of like drive, not overzealous, not overly cautious. Like I, I love to hear how you guys worked with Sophia on nailing that nailing Chloe Frazier. Like that yeah, I think um, a lot of credit is due to the writers who, you know, created her character on the page. And then it was left to Sophia and myself to interpret it. But I think so much of it was on the page just in terms of her backstabbing and um, double crossing. Um, trust is a huge theme in the movie. And um, she definitely represents uh, kind of for Nate, somebody who isn't able to ever really invest in other people uh, almost as a cautionary tale, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, Chloe's just a terrific character from the games that we were really happy to feature in the film. And Sophia did an amazing job bringing her to life. Sophia was telling me that that sequence with her and Tom underwater, uh, she was just really underwater for a while. By the time she came up, her eyes were just red. <laughs> I, I, are those days more fun on set when you get to when people are kind of in these unusual circumstances on set or is it even is it like reblocking that shot could does that just become a nightmare where you have to like empty a tank and fill it back up like I, is that well there, fun there's, a couple, there's a couple noteworthy things about that um i'd never done something 
quite like that. Maybe I had limited water work and things passed, but um, never like a, you know, a situation where a whole set uh, gets filled with water. The interesting thing that I never would have guessed is the way that you actually accomplish that from a safety perspective, as much as a practical perspective, is that instead of having a set that the water goes into, what we did was we built a set that they would lower into the water. So there was a giant tank and the cameras are fixed to the, to the set. And so we all would descend together. And so it appears as if the, the room's filling with water, but in fact, what's happening because it's coming up from below is that the, that the set is actually being lowered into the water. And then when the take's done, then we go back up and it, you know, the, all the water drains out and we do it again, which uh, was super creative, but um, certainly time consuming. And then it's fun doing sequences like that, but at the same time, it's always a little nerve wracking when you have actors in real jeopardy. I mean, they literally were underwater and holding their breath for extended time. So there's safety divers uh, surrounding them with extra tanks. Luckily, both Tom and Sophia are really physically capable. And Sophia, actually, her lung capacity is insane. Like, I think she could actually stay underwater longer than Tom. Um, and so that made it easier. She, she, I don't know if she has a swimming background or what, but she, she was really capable underwater. Um, but yeah, it's always a little nerve wracking when you're putting actors and not stump people in extreme circumstances. And now I need to hear how you did the flying pirate ships. <laughs> You'll be sad to learn that those were not actually flying pirate ships, but they were in fact uh, sets that were on the ground uh, in a parking lot. Again, wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's parking cool. lots were a big part of the uh, making of this movie. That's that's funny. Uh, I, I know I know that the PG thirteen R conversation was a conversation you had a lot during Venom, and I don't think Uncharted was ever a movie people were like, "This needs to be rated R." But there is like a one specific moment of I I wouldn't say it's like explicit violence it's more of like intimate violence there is and i'm not going to spoil it here but they, like i think you'll know what i'm talking about where it doesn't get too bloody but it is very clear what happens when you have to walk the line this is a game that's rated t for teen it's not m for mature it's a movie that's always going to be pg-13 at at most uh how do you guys figure out like how much can we show how far can we take this how many cooks are in that kitchen to make sure that no lines are crossed and it also conveys like the intensity and realism of the scene so um, there's a lot of variables that factor into that equation. Um, one, needless to say, is the MPAA ratings board, um, who has strong opinions about how much, you know, graphic, how graphic the nature of the violence can be, uh, how much blood, how much whatever else. And they literally watch it and give you feedback. And sometimes it's you know too much and they make adjustments and resubmit it in orders to make sure that you don't cross past that pg-13 rating um but in our case i actually feel like we kind of monitored ourselves because we always intended this film to be more of a fun for all ages type of movie like in the spirit of pirates or something like that that didn't rely on excessive violence or gratuitous you know just blood uh bloodshed um we always wanted to be something that, you know, a family could watch together. So, um, I, you know, even in the case of what ha happens, um, we intentionally cut away from it in the midst of it um, so that it didn't ever get too scary for a kid that might be watching the movie with his parents. 
Yeah, and I, I can also appreciate that. You just don't, uh, some movies that works, some movies you don't need that. This is, I would say it's one of those, which is this is like Indiana Jones is meets pirates in a lot of ways. I like that you referenced pirates there because I caught, I caught a vibe there as well. Um, but, but by the end of the film, Sully has the iconic mustache. Uh, did you have to convince Wahlberg to put it on? No, not at all. <laughs> he grew that thing himself. I can't take any credit for it. Um, that was all Mark. And uh, yeah, I think he I, I think he was excited to kind of have the character come full circle. And, uh, you know, his wardrobe is also directly taken from the game. So he I think he was stoked to, um, you know, have Victor Sullivan kind of resemble the ones the one that fans know and love from the games. So if, if Sony were to say, all right, we want Uncharted 2 right now, and if you were on board, if you were interested in doing it, how long do you think it would take if it was a start tomorrow to get another movie done with the right that the writers put the pen down and to shooting to editing? How long does that usually take on a movie like this? Well, that's a really good question. Um, in the case of this one, I think it was over 12 years of development prior to shooting. Uh, so it can take a really long time, but, um, but yeah, it, it really is coming up with that story that's worth, you know, telling, which is the hardest part. Once the script exists, you know, between prep shooting and post that that's all pretty conventional. Um, but the hardest thing is just coming up with a really fresh story that, you know, audiences will want to go watch. Yeah. And before I let you go, I'm going to have to talk a little bit of Marvel and your other projects with you. Uh, and my first, I, I want to start transition that by asking in adapting a video game versus adapting a character like Venom, who has so many different comic stories, like how does the prep differ? Is there like, cause obviously there's things you want to probably say, like, this is, you know, something fans love, but also we got to do this our way. How does, what is the difference in, uh, like getting ready I, for I those don't things. think it's so different based on the source material. I think you want to create something that's uh, unique and original for the big screen. And, and, and at the center of it, it has to be a character and, or characters and a story worth telling. Um, that's the most essential thing because it doesn't matter how great the IP is. If, if the story is you know, not worth watching, then you're not going to do very well. Um, but at the same time, uh, you, you have to really respect the audience that loves that, that thing of origin, whether it's a video game uh, or a comic book or anything else. Um, there's a reason fans are so protective uh, of these things they love. Um, they don't want to see it, see it kind of misinterpreted or bastardized or anything else. And so I feel that pressure of wanting to deliver for the fans uh, something that they they feel like is um, complements the thing they love or hopefully even enhances uh, the things that they love. And I thought Tom Hardy's performance in Venom was a really cool version of that character. And um, I think Mark and Tom nailed it with uh, their versions of Nate and Sully as well. Yeah. I remember when Venom released, like critics were tough on it, but fans loved it. It was hugely successful at the box office. Like when, when, when you get like kind of conflicting feedback from those two very different, clearly apparently different audiences, like how, how much time do you spend thinking about that? And does, does it influence your choice about going on for Venom 2 at all? Um, 
the critical reaction, I'm not going to lie, is a bummer uh, just because you work so hard on something. And and I know, having watched it with audiences, how much they enjoyed it. So it was a little surprising to me how, how negative they were. Uh, and I do think it's unwarranted because, you know, the audiences, as you said, really love the film. Uh, otherwise, I don't think it would have been quite the success it was. Uh, so it, it was disheartening for sure that it, it has this kind of association. Um, but hopefully over time, people will, you know, there's plenty of movies that are beloved that at, when they came out were panned by critics. Um, it's just unfortunate that Rotten Tomatoes exists as this aggregate that then forever will have a, a you know, assigned rating to, to a, a thing. Um, that being said, you know, it is what it is. And if people like the movie, that's all I care about. Um, and, you know, hopefully the, the same will be true of Uncharted that, that, you know, I made it for the audience. I made it to be a really fun escapist, you know, just action packed uh, adventure. And um, I, you know, at the end of the day, that that's who I made the movie for. And I'll be proud and excited if, if fans and audiences love the film. I personally think you just really wanted to work with Tom Holland at some point because <laughs> I think no, I'm just messing with you. But I, I remember before Venom came out, uh, like at Comic Con, everybody was asking, you know, is, is Spider Man here? Is Tom Holland here? Like I remember Jessica Chobot hosting that panel and asking twice, and we were all like, "Wait a second, are they about to announce this?" Like, and I know you're a fan of the of these characters. Like I know you really have a connection to them, so I can only imagine that you kind of pushed at least a little behind the scenes to maybe say, "Hey, we could maybe do this." Like. Did you like how was that ever a conversation? Because there were rumors like Tom makes a cameo uh, and then it ended up happening in Venom 2. Like, did you like was that ever a conversation that was like an actual possibility with yours? No, honestly. And I, I I'm going to just be straight up because I, I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to say, but so much time has passed. Um, but I, I, I feel like in the creation of Venom for feature films, um, you know, we had to come up with a whole different origin story from the comics. And that was really scary because Venom in the comics is born from Spider-Man. Um, and in our movie, he wasn't. And, and I was always really, really nervous that, you know, that would just be a, a bridge too far for fans of the source material. Um, thankfully people were willing to accept, and I don't know if it's in part because they acknowledge that Marvel and Sony are distinct from one another. And that at that point they weren't working as much in conjunction, um, so much so that we couldn't even have Spider-Man like we couldn't give him his real birth, uh, so to speak. Or like the spider logo and stuff like that was off the table. Uh, well, I mean, the way I argued was like, why would he have a spider on his chest if he wasn't born from Spider-Man? And so that's why I came up with that veiny thing where it was just um, kind of a cool white design. You know, my dream would be if ever he were to meet Spider-Man and they were to cross paths that upon that meeting, the, the spider would be on his chest at that point. Um, yeah. But but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not in a position to do that. So, sure. um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think um, we took, we had to create our own story for, for Eddie and Venom. And I'm just glad that audiences went along with it and they seem to like the second one and hopefully there'll be more. 
Hey, maybe maybe you get another crack at it, and uh, it'd be a lot of fun to see you get. I I know that crossover is something you want to do. Um, but uh, and speaking of uh, other films you've done and sequels and stuff, I just want to say one sequel I'm so glad you came back and did was the Zombieland sequel. Uh, I, I think from watching your interviews and the cast talk about those, I feel like those are some of the most fun movies you guys have ever made. Like Double Tap was great. First one was fantastic. I still remember spontaneous. I worked at Starbucks. I got off work. Some girl from my high school I was in high school with, we both got off work at the same time. We were like, I want to go see that Zombieland movie. And like, I can't say, I saw the the Freehold Lowe's Metroplex and I can't remember how and when and why I saw every movie. Zombieland is one I still remember. Like, I liked it so much that I I loved it. Uh, I I love to hear like, is that truly one of the best filmmaking experiences you've ever had? And of course that has to be followed with like, is there going to be like, are you still talking with everybody? Can there be a third? Um, yeah, I mean, it, I'm glad it comes across because it that making the first movie was a dream come true. It was my first ever film. Emma and Jesse were relative unknowns at that time. Um, and yeah, we just it was a dream experience. And and because it was such like a kind of random off the radar movie, it, it, I think um, people were really surprised by how charming it was. And we we wanted to make a sequel, you know, as soon as the first one came out, um, but we just didn't have a story worth telling. And it just took time to kind of let it marinate and, and let the characters evolve. And I'm so pleased and proud that the cast was able to come back so that we can make the second one. And, and Emma joked um, while we were making the film, like, yeah, we should do one of these every 10 years. So hopefully by 2029, um, there'll be another zombie land. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I also kind of feel like the, the double tap, um, I don't know. I, I wonder how many times you can return to the well. Um, so we'll see. That's fair. Well, for now, man, I'm really thrilled for everybody to go see Uncharted this weekend. If you ever need a zombie, an alien, a pirate, <laughs> sign me up. I'm, I'm, uh, kill me off in the next one. Uh, awesome. But Uncharted, it's dude, you guys knocked it out of the park. It's an absolute blast. And uh, I'm really happy for you guys. Everybody got through the production safely. We're able to celebrate this movie now uh, and hope everybody goes and supports it. So we get Uncharted 2 ASAP. Uh, <laughs> absolute pleasure talking with you, man. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon. I really appreciate it. This was so fun. And- 